What's up, everyone, and welcome back or welcome to Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawarda. It has been an absolutely wild ride these past couple weeks in the world of beach volleyball. We had the Tokyo Olympics, which, in case you missed it, April Ross and Alex Kleiman won a gold medal. So an enormous congrats to them, an enormous congrats to April in specific, uh, who became the third all-time winningest player in Olympic beach volleyball history and completed the full medal set. She now has a gold to go with her silver from London and her bronze from Rio, becoming the first woman ever to have all three. Uh, Congrats also to our American women indoors who won their first gold medal ever. Uh, And Karch Karai just continues to collect medal after medal. Now, the reason I'm giving this introduction is because we're doing something a little different today. We have only ever run one show more than once in the history of Sandcast, and that was Eric Zahn's, which we ran for the second time last year on his birthday. Um, But we are going to rerun uh, the fifth episode we ever did, and that was with April Ross. Uh, And the reason we're going to do that is because when April won gold, so I went back and re-listened to it because I knew that that was the episode where she decided she announced her decision that she was going to play with Alex Kleiman and I went back and I knew that there would be some good quotes in there and I ended up listening to the whole thing and we recorded that in November of 2017 and pretty much everything that she said was going to happen over the next five years came true almost to the word she talked about the challenges that her and Kleiman would have she talked about the potential of winning a gold medal and I ended up finding myself like hanging on pretty much every single word. It was awesome. Uh, To re-listen to this episode is absolutely incredible and such a valuable experience. And because I've been traveling, Tri's been traveling, obviously, and congrats to him. He's an Olympian now, which is amazing. And and we're going to chat about that with him uh, in an upcoming episode very soon. Um, But I I think that this is re-listening to this episode now uh, is it's incredible because April, she like she's an oracle basically. She she took a shot, she took a huge risk when she thought about maybe not even going for Tokyo at all, and she ended up winning gold because she took that huge shot. And I think that you guys will absolutely love this episode. So enjoy this episode, this throwback episode with April Ross, the oracle of beach volleyball, and a Tokyo gold medalist. Shoots. This is Sandcast, beach volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawerder, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. We're here for a Monday night football edition, so if I start yelling, it's because my Ravens are losing again. Uh, we're back in our board on the beach studios. What's happening, Tri? What up? Yeah, um, Texans, Ravens tonight, and uh, it wasn't a good start for you so far, but we turned it off so we're not distracted. It's never, it's never so a good start. So you're not distracted with the Ravens losing. Now, we, we have kind of a test to introduce our, our first, our guest here today. We have a, we have a special guest announcer. We do. Coming in. Try, you want to hit it? Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, who is April Ross? April Elizabeth Ross is an American professional beach volleyball player. 
There you have it. Oh, <laughs> what an intro. That, that's, how you know you're, that's how you know you're legit when Alexa knows you. When Alexa oh, knows really? who you are, you've made it. Can we try it with Triborn? We could try. She won't even understand my name. Can Alexa, we... who is Triborn? Sorry, I'm not sure. <laughs> God damn it, Alexa. Aww. Embarrassing me. Your own Alexa hits you with the burn. Yeah, man. <laughs> well... We have April Ross. If you didn't get that from Alexa, April, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was mellow. I went to Big Bear, nice. chilled out with the fam, had too much wine. Perfect. Is there such a thing? Let's keep that going, man. Uh, yeah, I feel like the older I get, the more I need to stay away from this uh, ethanol. Well, sorry that we just popped the bottle. <laughs> I know. No, it's okay. Two glasses a night is healthy for you. Yeah, antioxidants, right? Yeah. Good for the brain. Did, did anybody hit up Cyber Monday today? Oh, that reminds me. Um, I have stuff in late. my shopping cart. <laughs> it's not I have too stuff late. in my shopping cart. Oh, you got a few hours. I know. I'm going to purchase it. It's all workout clothes. It's so stupid because I'm... I have more workout clothes than I could ever need like for the rest of my life, right. but I still like shopping for them. It's, it's still, I don't know, it's just Gotta fun to get. Idea. Like, I have probably 20 pairs of board shorts, but I don't want to wear any of them after, like, four months. Now I, need, I just need new board it's shorts. It's, like, motivating to have, like, new workout gear. That's Makes true. you want to get in the gym. I'm just getting into the shopping game. Pretty much avoided it my whole life. Just wear, like, <laughs> all my USA volleyball gear or any of that, but... I lost like 30 pounds over the last year, <laughs> so nothing fits me. It's just hanging out. And Gabby, off like, my wife just forced me to go to the store with her and just do my first shopping spree of my life. And How'd it go? I'm looking pretty good these days, feeling good. I like, do you Everything like that fits. shirt? Thank you. Well, What's your go-to brand sleeve. or shopping like place? I ended up with like 10 pieces of Ruka clothing. Yeah. That's good for tall people. I'm into Ruka. Yeah. I like yeah. It. Ryan Darty, he's been he's been plugging. God, I forget what the company's called. It's like some tall and slim um, company. Oh, he should totally have that sponsor. <laughs> he's, he's been promoting it really hard. I don't know if it's a sponsor yet, but I think he's trying to get it to be. Huh. I just learned that Carly Kloss makes like 40-inch inseam women's jeans. So if there's any girl volleyball players listening, I heard that's a good place to get jeans. There we go. For our female listeners. Plug. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And now are you, uh, have, have you taken your nice long break in the off season back in the sand or did you really, is there like almost no off season at this point with how early the FIVB starts? Um, oh, sorry. I just got a text from Ryan Doherty. I wanted to show you that. <laughs> no, <what's> that? <laughs> it's hey, financial advice. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing to talk to him about. You can listen to the Ryan episode, episode two, if you want to. Yeah. Did you, you know, talk about that financial. stuff? He told us what he was up to. Yeah. He, I like, I like picking his brain. <laughs> Um, so answer to that question is no, I took zero time off. And the reason for that was I had lots of hiccups this season. Um, and I just felt like the whole summer it was like stop and go, stop and go. I never felt sharp. I never felt in shape, um, explosive kind of ready to go. And I was got so frustrated with that, that as soon as, um, Chicago AVP was over, like, I could have taken a break and my body honestly didn't feel very good, but I, w- I was just like, I think taking time off is going to make me feel worse. And I just, I just could not wait to get in the gym and get strong again and start to get fit and like started to train right away on the sand. Um, I didn't like practice that much. I broke my toe. So 
Um, I've been going, going, going since season was over and I'm like super fired up still. Yeah. And how's that? So I know a lot of players, it's always a balancing act between getting burnout and staying fresh. And it seems like you're staying fresh by working out all the time, by you're like fighting burnout by actually staying active. Yeah. It's a, um, I'm worried about that actually, because I do experience burnout and getting ready for Rio, like the three years leading up to Rio, you're always looking for a way to like get a little bit better, get a little bit more disciplined and just every, every, you know, you don't realize how gnarly you're getting because it's just like this day to day effort and it starts to build up. And by the time I got to Rio and like my experience there, I was like so burnt out. Like I was stoked on that experience, but so burnt out and like took a year and kind of just like let loose a little bit because like I was just so fried. Um, and so I want to learn from that because I don't want that to happen again. Um, and I'm going so hard right now. I'm like, April, when are you going to take a break? (laughs) Like you need to just like let off the gas a little bit. Um, it's a huge balancing act. And I think that's one thing I've learned like through my, through my career is like, I can get really gnarly and really intense, which I think is like why I've had so much success. But I think there's a way to like train smart and enjoy the journey a little bit more and still maximize what you're doing. And I think a lot of times taking that time, if you use it wisely to like rest and kind of refresh is going to help you do even better. But I'm still searching for that, that fine line. And like I, my day today was just like back to back to back and like train <laughs> and like lift and like treatment and do all this stuff. And I just like, need to calm down a little bit, but our first tournament is in January now, which is kind of ridiculous. So can't let off the gas yet. Yeah, do you definitely. like, i say, do you like having the, the FIVB season start that early? Cause I know that some people, you know, they do enjoy it, you know, having just a, a nice early start to the year, but I know a lot of the more veteran players are like, I'd really like another couple months, you know, to not be in the sand. Yeah. Um, I was expecting, Fort Lauderdale would be the first tournament and that gave me a good amount of breathing room, um, to figure out like partner stuff and get in shape and all that stuff. And then they come out with the January event. I'm like, Oh, you're kidding me. Um, so I kind of like it because it makes me really focused right now. Whereas maybe I would kind of just be a little bit more cruise control. Um, and I'm the type of player who likes, spaced out events. Um, so I don't mind it too much that they start in January and I've always kind of fought for in our sport, like for a year round calendar in the past, it's been really hard to have your last event in like September and then your first event in April. And it's like, what do I, how do I make money for like these whatever seven months that I'm off? Um, so I like, I actually do like it, but I talked to like Phil Dahlhauser in the gym and I tease him. I'm like, so you're like training for the Hague? And he's like, absolutely not. Like there's no <laughs> way I'm going to the Hague. Like, oh, I wish I was like you, but I'm yeah. not. <laughs> Phil's definitely on the chill spectrum. He's got, he's on that side of the baseline over the obsessed over training. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, he's really disciplined. I'm right. like, I'm impressed by his discipline, but him and Nick are just, they can turn it on like yeah. so easily. It seems so easy. They both work their butts off in the right. gym. Um, and I'm sure at practice, but they can afford that. I think, I don't know. They, I just feel like they can afford to take this event off. It's not going to hurt them. They'll turn it on Fort Lauderdale or whatever. Um, rest is a little more valuable than 
actually training at certain for, points of the year for them. Yeah. I'm it, trying to find that balance for myself too. So it's interesting hearing you. I mean, you've had what three quads you've gone through now. Uh, th- yeah. Beijing, Ish. we missed. Right, but you went through that but quad. But I started two years before that quad. Okay, so part of it. Yeah, like jumped. My first international event was like the first event of qualifying. Um, and then, yeah, two quads after that. Yeah, so you've done a lot at this point. And for me, I've done one quad. And I'm seeing how I did it myself. And I'm like, yeah, some changes are going to be need to take place here in terms of like going. I mean, for me, it was going super hard and then being kind of an idiot and eating like crap and whatever, (laughs) you know, drinking a little bit and partying a little bit. I mean, I don't party that much anyway, but I mean, part of me thinks that that's kind of what sent my body into shock with this whole autoimmune thing I'm dealing with is just, I went really hard with really intense stress and pressure that I didn't really know that I was putting on myself until I sat back and thought about it. And then the physical stress of 20 events and 12 countries and um, all that crap. And then I went straight into ankle surgery. Oh, yeah. So you throw in antibiotics and anesthesia in your system, and it just fully threw me out of whack. So next time, I'll probably take a page out of your book, find that, try to find baseline where it's not obsessing over my job and my It's so hard, though. It's so hard. hard. Like, when you... Because what I find happens is I convince myself to find that balance a little bit Mm -hmm. and not stress about it and not work so hard. And then I'll go to like a competition and underperform. And I'm like, F this. Like, I'm going to go home and like (laughs) step it up. It's not because, yeah, yeah, I'm not training hard enough. I'm not focused enough. Like, uh, if you just want to win that bad like it's so hard to take yep. a step back and find that balance and exactly like, I I'm, went I went uh in this last quad I think it might have been the first year of qualification I quit I cut out alcohol for six months I haven't done that since I started drinking and um like went and it's just awkward, you know, like you, you can be sober and that's great. You know, like if, if you think it's a problem, but it was just for me, it was performance and training and how can I get that competitive edge? Right. And I'd go to like the holiday parties and like dinner parties and just to like not be able to participate socially, how you would normally do it because of volleyball, it like takes a toll on you. And I don't know. I don't I, know. I just did it for, um, for health reasons, but yeah. I did it. For, I think I did four months of no drinking so I totally, I had to go to my sister's wedding sober. I was oh, like, no. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no. It's just like a joy of life. I don't know. Like, not, yeah. not. You learn something. You learn other things, too, though. That you're like, oh, wow, I can actually appreciate a few more things when I'm not drinking and yeah. remember things differently. But um, You don't yeah. want to go to one extreme if you don't have right, to right, right. or the other. Yeah, you want to be able to enjoy a glass of wine. Like, just. Yeah, but it's all out the window if you're not winning. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, winning is, we all care about it. There is a balance, but it's almost impossible to stay there, I feel. Like the baseline balance is like you're just kind of trying not to do too many highs and lows below and above that line, I feel like. Yeah, no, it's true. You're never going to accomplish it. You're never going to accomplish it, but you like start vibrating too stressful. You're going to... Just obsessing. Yeah, you're going to do something that brings you back down and then that's going to have an effect and you have to course correct and like go back up again. Yeah, I think that's the, probably the best that you can hope for. 
You mentioned that that this year, you know, just kind of had a, a couple hiccups. It was definitely a different year for you because, I mean, for so long you've had just partner stability. You know, when you and Jen partnered up in 2007, you guys played together through, what, half of the 2013 season, and then you had Carrie. And I know that she was kind of in and out with some shoulder injuries, but you always knew that you had a partner when she was healthy again. So I guess... <laughs> can, you, can you all hear that? <laughs> My second glass of wine. <laughs> Um, I trained I, hard today. <laughs> she earned it. One of the uh, one of the things I'm curious about is that you know because you and Jen were so good for so long. I mean, you guys had a stretch from 08 to 2010 where you made you medaled in like 17 out of 20 international tournaments, and then you and Carrie won every single AVP in 2014. And then this year, I don't know, was there sort of a, a little pressure lifted, and that you could kind of relax a little bit, or um. It's never, there's never a pressure lifted with April, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For yourself, probably not. But maybe from the outside, was there? I, you know what? It's so weird how far removed I am from external mm-hmm. anything. I think I had to work at it really hard when I played with Carrie because when I first got together, like everybody wanted to give me like what they were hearing or like what it seemed like from the outside. I'm like, you know what? I don't, I don't care. Like this is not going to be good for me. Um, and so I just blocked it all out and I think it, you know, I got really good at it and I have no idea what the external thoughts are at this point. Um, but for me personally, like I said before, like if I'm not winning events, like I'm super pissed and I don't care who I'm playing with. And like last, uh, after Rio, when I went to Chicago and Carrie wasn't playing, I picked up Kelly Reeves. She was new and I went in, I expected to win. And like when we lost, I was super bummed. Um, and this year with Lauren, like I thought, I thought we could go in and win every AVP. Um, and so it was just, it was a frustrating, frustrating summer, especially going to like three stars in Moscow and getting, uh, ninth place or whatever for 90 points. Like, and a few bucks, maybe. Oh, maybe to oh pay for, didn't uh, even break stipend. even, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. Um, That's the worst. Yeah. So I think my pressure comes from myself solely, and it's always there. Like, this go, like, the only reason, well, I kind of had to. I kind of had to have some discussions with myself uh, going forward, like, am I just trying to be good? Like, do I want to go internationally and just like kind of continue my career and like do the best that I can? Or am I in this because I want to go to Tokyo and get that gold that's eluded me for like two quads now? Um, like what am I kind of in this for? Is it my career or is it still like a dream? Um, and so I just, I decided that, you know, this is me chasing my dream. Like I haven't got it yet. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be, all in so that that standard is still there for me. Like I, I know what I need to do. I need to know what it takes at that level. And so, um, it gives me renewed energy. Um, but like, the, I feel like it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a struggle. So I'm trying to be okay with myself and like the learning, like just right. the ups and downs and the learning curve still, but I know where I want to get to. And so this season was just subpar for me. Has that, has that always been your mindset? Because you've had so much success at every step of the way. Like you were a Gatorade National Player of the Year in high school, a two-time national champ at USC, and then your career on the beach has obviously been I mean, sublime. So, I mean, at what point did you begin to see this drive where, you know, if it was championship or kind of failure? 
Um, it's not even that. That's not my mindset. It's not like, it's honestly not as much about winning tournaments. This is a very subtle difference for me. It's about being the best. And so that was for me something I had at a really young age and on my soccer team playing for ASO, like I'd go home and I'd train at myself after practice and like run sprints in my backyard. When I picked up volleyball, I'd, you know, pepper against the, the garage and I'd compete against the girls on my team. And like, I wanted us to win as a team and I loved my teammates, but I also wanted to be the best on my team. And I wasn't okay unless I was. Um, and I wasn't always the best. Like I got on teams and I was the worst in a lot of situations. And I had to really work my way up to proving that I was the best. And I don't necessarily think that's super healthy. You know, (laughs) it can lead to, I think a lot of issues and it's not like I'd don't know I have a ton of issues, but, um, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's what drives me is like to be the best. Um, there's a lot of sacrifices along the way, lots of sacrifices. And I mean, I, I don't, I still don't know if people understand like how gnarly the sport is. I'm like, and, I like try to study it from the outside. Cause for me, I mean, I see someone like you and it's like, I can tell that you just have this confidence that you can win. So you're not willing to settle with losing, basically. It's just like, I know I can win. I know I have the potential. So I can't lose. Like, yeah. I can't, I'm not willing to lose or, like, go into it with anything less than what I know I have. And your confidence is, like, you've won it right? at every level pretty much. And I was actually thinking that same thing when he was saying all the stuff that you've won. I was comparing to me. It was, like, everything that you've won I've like kind of has barely eluded me. And, it, and it's funny because I'm trying to basically get to where you're at. And I, I, I'm fully trying to be the elite world-class athlete, but I haven't had the wins that you have. So you're, like, backed up in your brain with all this, like, confidence because you won at the high school level. I barely want, like, my team won a state championship in high school, but they made me sit out because I played for a small high school. Just, like, small stuff here and there. The rice is done, <laughs> and, it, and it sings a tune to us, if you guys can hear that. And it's, it's you know, I think that's really interesting that you point that out. Um, Even your national championships in college. I was, I was up 8-6 in the fifth set in the national championship at USC, same as you. I don't have a ring. Manhattan Beach Open twice. I had match point last year, again, or two years ago, against Jaden Casey. Uh, world champs, we were right there in the quarters. Olympics. I made the Olympics, but I'm not an Olympian, technically. Yeah, that's so I'm trying to like. But I think it's mental. I mean, really, like if I wrap my brain around the fact that I've lost at all the highest levels, then that's what I'm gonna get in return. But if I just say that's what happened, but I'm still gonna put my goal as legitimately and believe that I can be gold medalist at the Olympics, then I don't see why not. Why it can't happen. I think two things regarding that, like, um, number one is I, it's not just you, it's the people around you, Mm -hmm. it's your teammates. I, I would not be, I would not have won at these levels if I didn't have amazing teammates. Like my, and if my coach, um, at Harbor didn't, you know, 
petition for me to get the Gatorade National Award or whatever. Like, I wouldn't have won that. So mm-hmm. that was, like, a lot of his work. Um, my team was great. We worked so hard in, in high school, and I had a lot of really good athletes around me, a lot of physically gifted people around me. So I think that went a long way in why we won. Um, same thing at SC. I mean, we just had such a talented team. So you can't, like, put that on you. You know, yeah, like, no. you're put and like you're putting yourself in all these great opportunities to win. And I think you have to keep fighting for that. Like all you can fight for is kind of putting your, like to put yourself in the best position. So just bettering yourself, just bettering yourself in, in, in whatever way you can and just waiting for those opportunities to come through and like they will come through, you know, um, I've been in a lot of those situations where games are tight and you do something stupid and you end up losing. Like I've been in a lot of those yeah. matches and um, you have to learn from all of them. And I think number two is you can want it and it is a lot of it is mental. And I think a lot of people just think I'll develop this strong mindset through playing and experience and that, but you really have to give some devoted time to your mentality. Like I mm-hmm. think I, I read and I journal and I sit with my thoughts and I figure things out and I decide, you know, like I'll write, what do I think mental strength is? And this is what it is and find inspiration from other sources. And, and one thing I did before Rio was I meditated every day. And I think that's really, really helpful. I meditated on how I was going to feel in matches Um, when things got tight and I pictured that emotionally, like how I was going to feel and what I was going to think and, um, pictured obviously myself doing things right and winning the match. And, um, that I think like you have to just dedicate time to stuff like that. And we, I did that a ton in high school and not meditated, but we visualized before like every match and stuff like that goes such a long way. And I think it's really, it can be really underused by a lot of high-level athletes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because it's funny that actually that we're bringing this up because this is like my main focus the right Buddha now. Buddha try. This is the one like <laughs> thing I'm super fascinated with right now because all I have to work with right now is my, my mind, basically. Because obviously I can't work out until my levels are all cleared and all that. So literally, I'm on a, I just got a 21-day challenge for meditation. Oh, nice. From a guy I'm working with. Um, and it's, I'm trying to do basically an hour a day for 21 days. Of meditation I'm, I got a bunch of these books and stuff but that's like the first thing like stuff you're touching on is like visualizing the person that you want to be basically and actually more than that actually feeling the feelings of that person you want to be when they're in that situation and then once you get out in those situations like you have to trigger that and and just you've been there before right in in some ways you've already been there if you visualize being there and you felt these emotions yeah no i've been in really tight situations and called upon what i visualized before Mm -hmm. and been like you know feel yourself slipping one way and you're like no this is what i think in this situation and that's how you act and that's how you play and i think it's i think it's everything have you seen the movie split Oh no! It's like thirteen personalities. I heard or it's something. good. 20, it got like great like, reviews. Yeah, it's crazy. I did not pick choose to watch it, but I watched it. <laughs> yeah, it looked pretty um, creepy. But it, I mean, I don't know the psychology between uh, about multiple personality disorder, but um, it's creepy. It, it is just <laughs> pass the wine around. <laughs> yep. 
Wine's gone. It's just all about how gnarly your brain can be. And like when these people switch, and I think they've done studies. I mean, I haven't really looked into it, but in the movie they say that, you know, they've done studies. And when the same person switches personalities, they have physiological changes, you know? So that's how like one personality will have diabetes. One personality won't have diabetes. And so like, that's how powerful your mind is. Um, and so I think it's just like really untapped. I have a, that's exactly why I'm reading these books right now is because it's called the placebo. I mean, the book I'm reading is like about the placebo effect kind of on your body. And I mean, I have technically, I have a disease like autoimmune disease, which I don't like calling it that because it sounds creepy, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, like apparent, according to these studies and stuff that I'm studying right now, I can just change the way I think and it'll change my physiological structure i guess you know yeah so i believe that i'm going for it and then once i figure out how to fix my body i'm gonna bring all this back to the beach so i can beat up on all those beach volleyball <laughs> players out there <laughs> i'm saving I up a lot no of rage yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be like april <laughs> i'm the new april ross and I always, I always love your posts when you have, you know, like coffee and a book and you just talk about just being very mindful. Cause that's like my morning routine is to walk the dog and then, uh, drink coffee and read a book for like an hour and just like kind of unwind for a little bit. Yeah. So I'm always a big fan of them. What, uh, what are you reading right now? Right now I'm reading, um, Tony Robbins, the giant within or wake the giant within or something like that. It's one of his original books. Um, and it's all about number one, how to like reinforce good habits and break bad habits, um, how to really solidify beliefs that are going to help you like believing in yourself. Um, and then creating like neuro associations, um, that are, that'll just reinforce your, like the good patterns in your life and stuff like that. Um, it's hard because the first like couple of chapters, I was like, yeah, I was super into it. And then yeah. it, it started feeling like he was talking to people with like kind of bigger problems than I have. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I like to, to finish books. It's like a prideful thing, but I'm trying to get better about like, if I'm not into it, like, let's just cut it off. Like right. let, yeah, it's if it okay doesn't serve you, it. yeah, like I'm not a failure <laughs> because I didn't finish this book. I don't have to beat this book like an opponent. I'm the yeah. same way. I just feel bad for the book. I'm like, you know what? You deserve to be finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've actually, this is really funny. Like I, this it's, it was drilled into me, you know, playing indoor for so many years, but just like not cutting corners and, um, like, finishing the 20 minutes of cardio you set out to finish or whatever. And I'm trying to get so much better about like listening to my body. And if I'm like absolutely dying, like I can stop a minute early. Like it's not going to kill me, you know, and just training smarter, but. Or even those like five seconds early, like would you ever stop at 55 instead of going to 60? But it it makes no difference, but we would never stop there. It's like, I was, was, yeah, I was working out at 24 hour fitness and I don't know why it like, stuck with me, but I, this lady was next to me and she was going and she did that. She stopped like 30 seconds early and just like got on her way. And I'm like, I would never do Are that. You but like, you were so close. Yeah, you're, and then you just like, lost. You quit. <laughs> you lost. <laughs> but I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like she 
that she'll be fine. Yeah. She'll be fine. You know, totally. she's probably totally at peace with her day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's getting somewhere just, you know, she's on her way. She's not as rushed anymore. April went and jumped on her treadmill and ran the last 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's like just not judging yourself. So yeah. gnarly hard. It's, it's tough. How much do you think is, I mean, you're the first beach volleyball player I've really heard talk about so much about the mental game. So openly really, how much do you think, is the balance between the physical part and the mental part. Cause I feel like there's so much synergy there. That's funny because, um, Anthony Darmiento, our, uh, strength and conditioning coach at USA, he, we were, t- me, I think me, Nick Lucena and him were talking about this and it's like, or Anthony asked us about it and it was physical, mental, technical, um, strategy, and one other thing, like there were five things. He's like, draw a pie chart. What do each one of these, um, mm-hmm. how much weight do they have in being a successful beach volleyball player? And I went over and I like drew the circle and cut out like this kind of like me. I, I think I did like 25%. And I was like, this is the physical. The 75% is the mental. And, um, or I put, I put a little bit of technical and a little, like a very small slice of technical and strategy and the rest was mental. And then I did Nick's for him and I did, uh, the circle and I cut out about a 10% slice. It was like physical and the rest was mental, like no strategy, no technique, no nothing. And he's like, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> but, totally. um, I think at first when you start playing, it's a lot of tech technique and right. you got to get that down. You got to do the, the reps and everything. And just the higher you go, the, 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 higher level you get to, the bigger the mental slice becomes. Your body almost, uh, it's like that, your muscle memory, your, your foundation and your technical stuff is muscle memory. Your body knows it. It's like almost like you don't need to train it anymore. Yeah. Not that you don't, because you do, but I think at the highest level, like all of our technical skills and our fundamentals are like you've done just it. on point. Yeah, you've done it. And when you get into those you competition situations, like you, your body just like remembers and kind Except of takes for, over. I've taken a year off, so I well, might have to, to a, a certain extent, for, yeah. for my muscle memory, but yeah. But now I'm working on, um, I'm actually getting a little bit back into technique right now because I feel like with my broken toe and just not being in shape, like my, um, approach has gotten really funky and I'm using like all shoulder, all arm to hit the ball. And I'm like, when did this happen? I'm watching a ton of video. I don't usually watch video. And that's one of the, my big goals for this year is to like study my opponents, study me and our team. Um, and I was watching my approach and I'm like, that is ugly. Like, (laughs) where did that come from? And so I'm trying to like go back to technique a little bit there, but I'm also working on breathing, which, I don't do very well and I've never really practiced. Like I could be in the, you know, best shape of my life and I breathe like a buffalo all the time. Like (laughs) after every play, like I can't catch my breath. And I'm like, what is this? Um, And I had someone I'm kind of working with like watch the practice and he's like, you don't breathe ever. And so he's picked out like these little spots where I should take a breath. And so I'm really in practice during reps, like trying to work on my breath. And I think that goes hand in hand with like my approach because I think being feeling like I can't jump very high, can't move that fast. Like I'll dig and then I'll like just charge in for my hit. And like I'm early cause I'm afraid of being right. late and all that stuff. And so it's like I dig take a breath. I get to like my spot for it. I approach, I take a breath. And so, 
Um, I, th- Start I think feeling like you have a lot more time. Yeah. So. I, I mean, watching the video, I have so much more time than I think. Totally. Yeah. So working on that and like, it's just another thing to think about, but it's one of those things that if it helps me get a little bit better, like it's totally worth it. And I think at this point, like it's really hard to find those things that help you continue to get better. That's right on line with the mindfulness approach that you're talking about too, right? Because I mean, breathing is just being aware of, just being aware of your breath. Like we're always breathing, but like you said, you're figuring out that you've never breathed. Yeah. Or like I'll be in the car driving and I'll hit a little bit of traffic and then I'll feel myself starting to get tense. I'm like, oh, you're not breathing. Like, and I'll like force myself to start breathing. I'm like, what is so good to breathe? Why? Why does that feel so good? I thought this was natural. Body, you were supposed to be doing this for me. Do you ever, uh, do you ever do yoga? Cause I feel like everything that you're talking about that you want to work on is like just right up the yoga alley. I have, I, I know that I need it. Um, yeah, everything that, everything just kind of points towards yoga. You're right. Like everything I'm trying to work on, I'm Uh like, I need to be doing yoga and just keeping my body healthy. I think opening my hips and my shoulders and stuff, that's all yoga. Uh, and so I do do it. I need to do it more regularly. I just like it because I can tell people that I worked out for the day. I really just stretched for an hour. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I've always hated yoga, actually. That's why I haven't done it. Yeah. Uh, I, my thing is, like, if I'm going to work out, I want to work out. I want to sweat. I want to, like, get on the cardio machine, whatever, lift weights. I want to work out. I love stretching, but if I'm going to stretch, I just want to stretch. I want to, like, chill and just not have right. a workout and yeah. stretch. And yoga is, like, this weird in-between that I hate. It's so hard for me. And when I'm in these, like poses and my legs are dying. I get so frustrated. I'm like, I'm not squatting. Like I'm not lifting weights. Like, why is this so hard for me? I'm not here to get a leg burn in. I'm here to to stretch because I already got my leg burn in. And now you're making me work out on top of that. I'm supposed to be stretching. <laughs> the first time I did yoga, there it was like a class with like 90% like 85-year-old women. And they were just <laughs> kicking my ass. I was like, this can't be happening. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's such a practice. And I see the people who are in there all the time. And they're ripped. And like they seem like they've got, I mean, they just seem very composed and grounded. But the more I hear people talk about it um, and the more classes I go to, I understand that it's learning how to be at peace when you're in pain or like, I mean, and it's a good metaphor for life. Like if things are super chaotic around you, just learning how to stay composed, which is now that I'm thinking about it, like perfect for volleyball too, you know, like things get crazy and trying to stay mindful and um, believing that your body can do what it needs to do. Like it, it all ties in. And I do, I love yoga now. I love it. Um, I'm bad at it, but (laughs) (laughs) it's good for uh, traffic too. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) For traffic. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I went to Bali this year for our honeymoon. Oh, that's right. I'm like, I'm like you, I can't, I can't just go half in. Like I need to just be fully working out or not. And, uh, I went to Bali this year and obviously I'm not supposed to work out much. So I fully like yoga at the lightest level, like, breathing and sitting half the time stretching for like or like doing poses for only like 15 minutes of it was like legit workouts for me but that that place is magical bali if you want to like have an off season where you 
try to not be competitive and like yeah, fully well, on all the time. I feel like I really need something like that. That's your spot if you ever want to do that. Yeah. It's basically the opposite of you or me. Yeah. But it's if you're easy looking to get for that into. at some point, yeah. oh my God, that place is crazy. Organic food everywhere. Really? Just like... I'll have to get some info from you. Oh yeah. I don't know when I'm ever going to have time to do that. Some off season at some point yeah. or after you play volleyball <laughs> after you're done pencil it in for 2035 yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> highly recommend it though how long were you there for only two weeks that's such a long time i've never taken a two-week vacation uh me neither i've never taken i realized that i have a map right here on my wall that shows everywhere i've been in the world and about one of those which is bali i think for my honeymoon was like the first vacation i went on that's not for volleyball but you are from Hawaii. I'm from Hawaii, <laughs> so that's why we didn't travel. <laughs> we didn't travel growing up because I grew up yeah. in a vacation spot. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely different going on a trip to just to like enjoy what the place has rather than like get in, be super jet lagged, play, super stressed oh, out, and then yeah. get in the car and then drive you to the airport. Sightsee on the way to the airport. Not hungover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like you and I had that that um, car trip from Stad to, to, uh, after you won the cowbell in Stad, we drove to the airport. It was like two hours to Geneva. I don't even know if you remember two years ago. Oh, I was pretty hungover. It was like 5 AM. Was it, I think I remember, did we try to pick up, uh, Jose Loyola? We couldn't pick up anyone else cause, cause you had way too much luggage. <laughs> <laughs> I get in the car and the whole back seat's full of like April stuff. And then her cowbell is like in my seat, which is like the trophy. Oh, I remember I was sitting won. in front of you and like your knees were all cramped yeah. up to your chest. So we slid your bags. I mean, somehow I got my bags in your bags were right next to me. Oh, I remember the whole this seat. now. Yeah. And then you had your cowbell in the front seat in between your legs <laughs> in this little Mercedes that was sponsoring the tournament. And we drove like two hours all hung over at like five in the morning. Oh, like, that was so terrible. This is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but wow, look at the Swiss Alps. They're yeah, beautiful. It did make it better. <laughs> Roll down the window, get some fresh air, yeah, fresh some, mountain air. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, those are our normal trips. I took my first vacation. I was like, wow, this is way better. It's kind of crazy when you don't have to actually like do anything for yeah, a whole exactly. day. What are we going to do like today? prepare for a tournament really or care. recover from a tournament. Yeah. I've had um, trips to Italy planned the last two uh, off seasons. And both times I canceled them because <laughs> I didn't have time to take a vacation. <laughs> you got to get back to work. Yeah. You've been slacking. Yeah. Okay. So I know that we have, uh, it's not Olympic qualification just yet, but we're about a year away and everyone's trying to figure out who's, what the teams are going to be for 2020. So have you started the, the partner selection process? Yeah. And I, I wasn't sure how it was going to go down. Um, like I, I feel ridiculous that I have this choice or whatever. Like I was, I started operating under the, um, just understanding that I was going to have, like, number one, I have to prove myself. I'm always out to prove myself. Um, but I thought like, I thought my choices were limited to be honest. Um, and then as this Hague dyna, uh, sign up deadline got closer, a couple people kind of approached me and said, you know, if you want to play, like, let me know. And it really like, I was very flattered and like kind of shocked, um, that, um, people were so interested in playing with me. Um, we weren't shocked, but, but it, honestly, yeah. for me, it was, um, 
you know, I, I, I don't take it lightly. And like, I think if anybody wants to play with me, I think it's amazing. Um, and so it was a, it was just really hard to to figure out what to do. And there weren't very many chances to compete and like kind of try people out or whatever and see how it worked on the court. So just trained with a couple people and, um, it came to, it came down to just like really intangible things. And, um, I decided, I decided to, uh, go with Alex, um, Kleinman for make a shot, take a shot at, uh, Tokyo with her. You mentioned intangibles and those are always so hard to describe, but I guess what were some of those that you liked that you saw in Alex? And I was talking to try about it before he came on and that you can't teach six, five. Mm. So I'm sure that we're both six five, by the way. <laughs> so that her, really I'm, puts it into perspective. I'm sure actually. that her being the, the tallest of anyone in the room probably made a difference. Plus, last week uh, on the podcast we came, he he had he said something about playing in April, and we both thought he said playing with April. Right. So we're like, I mean, that'd be a great team if you really want. If you want a man volleyball version, yeah. yeah, for the new co-ed league, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to Alex. Yeah. Um, I could just tell from just training with her, like she comes from an indoor background, which I know that's getting, uh, you know, not as many players coming out have that indoor background anymore. Well, didn't she get, um, Gatorade player of the year as well in high school? Oh, you're right. I think so she did. Yeah. Share that. And yeah. Both successful in college. She didn't win the national championship like you did. She went to she made the wrong decision there and went to Stanford instead of SC. So easy to get but, into Stanford. I mean, yeah. Thankfully, that decision was made for me by my rejection yeah. from Stanford. But thank you very ah, much, Stanford. <laughs> Don't tell them that. So I guess our podcast is not going to be sponsored by Stanford yeah. anytime soon. Hey, I ended up beating Stanford for my first national championship. So that was a little redemption. Sorry about that. that. Um, yeah, cherry on top. Beat the trees. Yeah. <laughs> um. But are we talking about intangibles? Right. And just kind of what you saw and, and liked in Alex. Uh, yeah, I think her, like, okay, so she comes from the indoor background and just has the really disciplined mentality. So um, the way she trains is very focused and very intense. And she understands, like, the importance of practice and coming to win and practice. And I think that's... I hope it's, I don't know. I hope it's not lost when the um, people grow up playing juniors beach volleyball because it's kind of like more of a laid back culture, you know, and it's like I'm out here on the beach and having fun. And I think there are competitive players, but I don't know. Something about being indoor is pretty cutthroat and then playing in Brazil for so long is, you know, you really have to step up your game and be really good um, and want to win. And so I think her just mentality in practice and wanting to get better and how she's going to go about that. And, um, always just coming with that competitive mentality was a big intangible for me because I know, I feel like in my career, I've gotten some victories just purely out of my determination to win. You know, like you get to this point and it, it stops being about doing things right or, um, you know, making the perfect shot. It's just, it's about like your determination to win and your refusal to lose. And, um, so I see a little bit of that in her. Um, and then also her physical ability. Uh, I watched her a little bit and just after one season on, uh, on the beach, I thought she was picking up some really good things. And, uh, 
was a lot quicker than I expected her to be. Like she's pretty quick twitch right. for being six five for sure. Yeah, she was an outside hitter. She played all the Not way around. Middle, yeah, so that kind of. Yeah, she played all the way around and was passing. So she obviously has ball control. And then yeah, she like you said she played in Brazil and Italy, right? And Italy, well? yeah. Which is like that's like top premier leagues. top volleyball. And she has that chip on her shoulder a little bit. Like I ha- like it reminds me of me when I got out on the beach because I I wanted to go to the Olympics indoor. I wanted to, you know, I tried training with the national team a bunch and just felt overlooked like all the time and things weren't objective um, you know, I felt like my team always won in practice and I never got a shot in match in games at tournaments and stuff. And I was like, okay, you like, I'm going to go do something where I can prove myself objectively. And like, if I win, I move up and stuff like that. And she's kind of the same way. Like she could keep, she could keep playing indoor and keep making a good amount of money, but she's out here on the beach because she wants to go to the Olympics and she wants to, she has something to prove. So I like that being, you know, part of her motivation for sure. She's definitely sacrificing uh, yeah. good opportunity on, in terms of money. I, I mean, I don't know exactly what it is, but the money for a player like Alex's a player at Alex's caliber indoors is, is very big compared to <laughs> what it is for a player to just play on the AVP tour right now. And obviously if, I mean, if she partners with you and takes advantage of every opportunity that is on the beach, then she can go beyond where she could have gone indoors, I think. Um, but yeah, Which it she's seems definitely like she's sacrificing and putting it all on the line. Yeah. And I like that. And I think that's um, something interesting to invest in for me also, you know. And that's what I was kind of talking about before. Like, do I want to just continue this career and do good or do I want to, you know, pair up with Alex who I, you know, potential I could see us going the distance and like being the best in the world. Um, even though there's going to be hiccups and challenges and we're going to be in the country quota and it's like starting at square one for me, but at the same time, what is the meaning of what you're doing if you're not challenged? You know, like if you don't have these things that are going to help you grow and things to overcome, like what's the point? Like you don't, it's not supposed to be easy, you know? And you're not taking the easy way out. I mean you could easily take the easy way out and take the person with the most points and start with the highest seating and give yourself the easiest route. But like you said, you have a goal to be on a certain team and that's what you're creating. You see a player that has the potential to be that particular teammate, so you're going for it no matter what obstacles lie in the way of that. And I'm trying to think of that stuff too because I'm going to have to pick up a partner here at some point. Yeah. Um, So that's interesting for me to, to hear. Yeah, I mean that was that was the choice. It was like the safe choice or the choice I thought, you know, was challenging but had the most potential. Um and also I I kind of I I think I've learned a lot over the years. Um and one of the things I've learned the importance of is building a like-minded team around yourself. Um, having the same mentalities and the same goals and the same work ethic are all, all really important, I think. And it's funny how interconnected, like Alex and I don't know each other very well, but it's funny how interconnected we are and how many of the same people we know and like, um, like really well. (laughs) And it's my, my agent is really, really good. She works at Wasserman. She, 
doesn't pick up people ever. Um, me and Jen got super lucky. The fact that we got to be with her and she reps us. Um, and I didn't tell her that Alex and I were playing together, but she had reached out to Alex, but like without me even knowing, and they had a meeting and like, so she's picked up Alex. And so, you know, it's just like kind of all, it just seems like it comes full circle. Stars are aligning. Yeah. And, um, she played indoor with Nicole Davis and I talked to Nicole Davis and like they know each other. Um, I think have the same mentality. I talked to Nicole Davis about possibly doing sports psych for us. And it just seems like everybody is kind of on the same page. We've asked uh, Jen Kessie to coach us. Wow, really? Yeah. And? So um, she's gonna she's trying to make it work. Nice. So she's initially um, working with us, and we've done practices for a couple of weeks now. She has a six month old though, and so that's obviously like really yeah. tough. Um, but I just think she has such like she played so recently and has such a she's always had a really high volleyball IQ, I thought. Um, and to have her kind of number one, helping me for sure. And she knows me so well, I think she can help me get better. And then, um, she was more of the blocker on our our team anyways. So to have her helping Alex and teaching Alex, I think is so great. And her mentality when we played is something I want to replicate with my team now. So I think I I just, I don't know, it all makes sense to me. Like That's you said, awesome. you, you haven't had a, a really chance to compete with Alex yet. So I guess what's the, the training going to be like? I'm sure it's going to have to be kind of expedited, you know, heading into the Hague, which is what, January 3rd? Yeah, January 3rd. Uh, we're training every day, um, doing everything we can think of to, to get the ball rolling. And um, it's like she's very, very co- coachable, and I feel like we're getting better every day. Um, there's just little things that play you like, you don't know about playing on the beach and you can't really know about until you've like got the experience. So those little things are going to have to wait for a while, I think. But, uh, when, when things are kind of in rhythm, at least like she's pretty unstoppable. So that's, that's a good sign. We just got to keep working on ball control and having it be like that as much as possible. You mentioned when you were talking about this past season that it had a couple hiccups and um, it wasn't all bad though. You just got inducted to the USC Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank That's pretty you. awesome. Yeah. I'm I excited. Just, I just walked by your, your poster the other day, uh, or yesterday actually. I went to the Rams, Rams and who are they Saints. Saints. Rams, Rams Saints, Saints game. Yeah. And we walked by the Beach Stadium. Oh, that picture, picture is amazing. <laughs> your old school picture. <laughs> My old school picture. The picture is like, the pictures of me on the wall in uh, the Galen Center are even worse. People, <laughs> anyone who sees it immediately texts me and like with a photo and making you? fun of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, those are some awkward days. I was wondering if 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 ever anyone does anything worthy, if they get their picture up on the beach stadium from the men's side, since there's no man. Dude, I need should. to talk to Anna Collier. Yeah, you should. <laughs> there's an inside of Titan. I just want to get some attention. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go win something first, though. Um, so in terms of, of 2017, you know, what did you learn, I guess, from this past year that you want to apply moving forward? We talked a lot about mindfulness and the mental side of the game. I guess anything else that you, you want to take away from last year moving forward into 2018 through 2020 in Tokyo? Um, what do I want to take from this? Well, this season, 
has definitely given me new perspective and a lot of gratitude for being healthy, which um, I took for granted last year, um, especially in the off season. You know, I, I was a little bit burnt out and I just stopped really lifting. I lifted a little bit, but like didn't have a program. I wasn't doing physical therapy. I just kind of like shut it all down because my mind needed it. Um, but I wish I hadn't have done that. Like to feel healthy and good is like such a blessing and, um, going through breaking my toe and, um, having some shoulder issues and stuff. I, which I, I'm not used to being hurt ever. Um, so definitely gratitude for being healthy and being as strong as possible and staying on my physical therapy. That's huge. Um, and I think, I think working, just working, and this is really minute, but working on my, um, routine at tournaments, cause you travel and you get on, like you deal with jet lag. And for some reason, like my brain just wants to be not on vacation, but I have such a gnarly schedule when I'm at home, you know, like I work out and I train and I get over there and I'm like, Oh, I could like take a nap right now. Or, you know, I could put off going to the gym for like another hour. And then before I know it, there's no time left in the day. And so I really want to get my routine down at tournaments. Um, I did, I, you know, it, and also just seeing again, how much better everybody in the world is getting. And it's like, I need to study video. Like every year I say, I need to watch more video and I need to study these teams because you play on the AVP and you see these teams over and over and over and you really get to know them and it makes such a huge difference. And you don't necessarily do that, get to do that internationally. And so I think watching video is going to be a huge thing going forward for me. Um, That's something I've kind of always... uh went back and forth with because Haydn actually doesn't watch that much video and obviously my first like two years on tour I'm like whatever you say Haydn I'll yeah. do it you know because I was a rookie and he's John Haydn one of the veterans but yeah as the years went on I'm like Sh- should we be watching more video I feel like there's something there some value and we watch it and and I'm also the very instinctual player so I don't like to get in my own head and think too much and I've watched a ton of video at times and like overstudied the game plan and overthought the whole game for sure yeah but in the back of my mind I'm just like there's value there and I need to tap into that and I need to take advantage of it I don't think there's too much wrong with it like I think if you understand that while you're watching video they're playing a certain way because of who they're playing or whatever but I think just your brain getting used to them and seeing how they play and just their tend like just little tendencies and, and totally. how they play defense and even stuff the, like that. the thing that I even see as a blocker is where the ball where they contact the ball on their body for me lining up as a blocker like if you line up the same way on every person some guys get it way out in front some guys get it above their head that's you're like six inches a foot off of your base if you're lining up right. in the wrong spot and for me to just watch film and just not even look at anything that's happening where they hit it but just to see like the contact spot on their body just the way that they swing I can just picture it when I'm playing and be like I know exactly where he's going to contact it and I move my entire base of my block based on that and I think along those lines like not even you don't even have to be cognizant of it but like subconsciously I think your brain is gonna be like remember things and you're going to react different ways just because of what you've seen exactly seen before and you can always go backwards like 
every match is a progression and I feel like you're always fighting the other team. Who's going to adjust better. Who's going to find the better strategy quicker, um, to score those points. And you can always, so like, that's what watching videos for. And if it's not working, then your strategy is like, okay, I'm just going to go back and trust my gut and my instinct and like Mm -hmm. try it that way. But I think more information is always better. And it doesn't matter how good you are. You know, like Hayden's so good, but like, could he be better if he watched video? Right. Carrie didn't really like watching video and can she, could, you know, she'd be better if she watched video. And like, I just don't, I think there's little competitive advantages you can gain by things you do, even if you are really good and you have to do those little things, even the, you know, the better you are. Mm-hmm. So that's huge for me going forward. I feel like a lot of players get scared to, I don't know, what am I even trying to say? Just like scared to go out of their own routine of things and be like, no, like I know that my game's so good. I only want to focus on my game and not even put the opponent's game into my head. But there's some value there. Yeah, I think I I w- operated the same way for a long time. Like it's hard to allow yourself a period of failing to experience those growths, you know, like change is always gonna cause you like some uncertainty and, you know, unfamiliar. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to go through some growing pains and if you're not okay with that, like, I don't think you can necessarily get too much better. And so I was very, I had a very protectionist mentality and I wouldn't read like, I got, you know, people would recommend me books and I was so, uh, concerned about messing up my mentality that I'd like read a couple paragraphs (laughs) and try to decipher if it was going to help me or not. And like, I'd be so worried if I read the book, it would affect me in a negative way. And it's like, you have to trust that you can take this in, take the information and make yourself better. And like, things aren't going to make you worse. Like it might it might cause you to have to adjust in different ways to like learn things properly or in a different way. But like in the end, you're going to be better. Like more information is never bad for you. I feel like. Is there a, is there a particular team, I guess that that you wish you would have watched more film on at some point or that you are looking to watch more film on the, in the future? Cause I know for like the men's side, I mean, if you hadn't watched film of the Polish team and then just walked into them, you would get murdered. (laughs) You'd have no idea what they were doing. So I guess, is there a a women's team that you are looking to, maybe the Germans, that you're just trying to pick up that one point per match that film might help you on? Well, obviously, everyone who you lose to consistently need to watch more film on. I think going into Rio, I really wish I would have watched more film on our competitors. Like, even like the night before when we found out who we were playing, like I really wish I would have watched a lot more film there. Um, anyone new who comes out onto the beach, but generally, I mean, just the teams that tend to do well, um, you know, consistently. So Larissa and Talita and Lauren Kira, um, a lot of the Brazilians, some of the Swiss teams now, you just, you just don't get looks at them very often. So you got to watch video. And I think the number one, I want to watch myself on video. Like, I think that is such a huge tool to like learn. Like I, if you, if what you think you're doing is not cohesive with like what you actually are doing, that's a huge problem. And it's hard to understand that unless you watch video on yourself. You mentioned your approach 
earlier yeah. when your toe was kind of messed up that your your approach kind of steadily declined. So it was watching that video is sort of eye-opening. It was so eye-opening. I was like, what what am I doing? Why am I so early every <laughs> single time? And then also what happens a lot is I watch myself play defense and I am not giving 100%. I think I'm giving 100%, but I'm like, I can run faster than that. Like, what am I doing? I'll go out the next day and I'll dig a ton more balls because... I just watched myself on video and I realized that I wasn't giving 100%. I was, um, I did track and field in high school and, uh, one of the best things that happened was I did long jump and I was not getting very good results. And, um, I was just hanging out with my friends and one of them was watching me do the long jump and she comes up and she's like, I think you need to run faster on like (laughs) down the runway. And I thought I was running as hard as I could. She's like, you're not running very fast. And I was like, what? I feel like she's like, no, just run faster. And like, so the next time I really ran as hard as I could and I got like a way better result and I ended up being pretty good at long jump, but it's like the, what you think you're doing so often is not what you're actually doing. And so watching videos, I think the best thing you could do. And now one of the, one of the fun things you did, uh, Last year was you, you filmed a commercial with Carl Anthony Towns and uh, D'Angelo Russell, yeah. which was hilarious. Uh, I wanted to make sure that, that I brought that one up. So how did that come about? I guess just kind of walk us through because, I mean, you made – these are two of the best athletes in the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns in particular. Um, and they look just flat out silly. Oh, my gosh. On the beach. Looks, uh, <laughs> other athletes look so bad and unathletic playing our sport. Yeah. It's and everybody walks out thinking that they're going to – be great seen, like uh, it's so easy what kevin love tried to play in the tournament i saw deandre jordan trying to play blake griffin both of those guys you're just talking about Shaq, you played against was that you i no. didn't play against Shaq. i saw that though someone played against Shaq at one point it's just i know people have played ridiculous. against like some nfl players that train at the yard and oh yeah like russell wilson cam, yeah. newton, cam newton came in baltimore and he got blocked by like a five foot five girl and the oh, video, I saw the video that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how hard our sport is. I mean, you just got to be a real athlete, you know, not like these guys. These guys are, they're okay athletes, but uh, they can't How do we get sport. people to, like, appreciate that more? Like, how do we... Just keep pushing that video out. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. That's a really good way I, to do it. I claim it pretty hard. I mean, just in general, that it's one of the most all-around sport. I mean, for me, like... People ask like, "What's who's the most athletic person or athlete, and who's the what's the most well-rounded sport?" For me, I really like basketball because it's a mixture of finesse and touch with the physicality part of it. Um, and these guys are good athletes. Volleyball is just like a different touch. Like yeah. you just have to understand how it works. You can't it's, overpower it. There, yeah, and there's you can't make mistakes. Like if you're playing basketball and you have a weird dribble one way or the other, like you can recover it so easily or like not a perfect pass. Some, I mean like sometimes it gets picked off or whatever, but like there's just a little bit more room for error. I feel like there's very little room for error. Your platform half an inch, your right hand half an inch lower than your left and you just lost the point. Yeah. Like it's just so minute, the details. And then when we turn the power on, it's like super quick, just like that from like finesse to power. And we're like deciding last second. Like we go up to hit, then we think we're gonna shoot, and then we hit again. Or like you know, like it's that quick. Everything that's happening. Yeah. And I don't think people really understand that. And when everyone watches our sport, they're like in awe of it. 
we got to get more people to watch our sport. I know. Yeah. Well, that's number one. But then you like you have to know how to do all the skills. Like you can't socialize right. in any skill. That's what I love about beach in yeah, general. Yeah, same. Which is like, because I played indoor and I was the guy, pass, pass, pass. Like, I'll get it to the setter every time right where we need it. I'll cover you. I'll hit a high percentage because I'm chiseling the block. Or if, if I don't get the kill, it'll be in play. Or I'll cover it and give us another chance. When you play professionally overseas, they don't care about that stuff. They're like, yeah. bounce the ball. We want you to see you bounce it, and that's it. Like, we don't care if you pass well. It was I'm like, well, that's kind of my game. It's like doing <laughs> yeah. all the skills and yeah. blocking, but Same. you just want me to bounce balls, so I'm pretty much useless to you guys, and you're not going to pay me the big bucks. So I've seen I'm you bounce here. a few pretty high. Yeah. I mean, I can bounce a few, but not like it was indoor where I have these six, eight guys who can jump 40 and they're just like crushing. Well, now, like after playing beach for so long, you think you could go back and be a better, better indoor player? Yeah, I definitely uh, could change my game a bit around, but... I've just always been a beach guy. Like, I played beach growing up, and then my friends and everybody I played indoors with realized that I was good at beach more so, so I kind of got in, invited over to indoors with all of them. And I was like, all right, I can play this indoor thing too. This works. But I've always... Beach has been my love. Back on the beach. And then when I came out, I was like, wow, Tri is like a, one of the top beach players in the U.S. And when I played indoor, it was like... He's just another indoor guy. Yeah. So I was like, ah, screw this. I'm out. Beach is my thing, and I'm not looking back. And one of the, the reasons that I, I kind of wanted to bring that up, too, is I was curious, and Tri brought this up before we went on, is that I guess how do you see yourself compared to athletes like Carl Anthony Towns, who's on the Timberwolves, I think, still, and D'Angelo Russell is was with the Lakers. I think he got shipped off somewhere. He's old news. Um, yeah, he's old news. <laughs> but so we have you know a beach volleyball player at, at the top, of the sport and to NBA players at the top of the sport. Is there, like, how do you compare yourself Let's as be an honest, athlete? April's higher, much higher <laughs> in our sport than they yeah. are in theirs. Oh. But you're also, I mean, have you, like, been to the ESPYs? And I know you went to the Super yeah. Bowl. And you, yeah, I've you've been, been all those things. Okay, you've been on Gatorade bottles. I know. The, that, I think, that's awesome. the more that's time like that Wheaties goes status. by, the more that is, like, career-defining. Like, I don't know... Other than, like, Olympics and meddling at the Olympics and stuff, I don't know if it gets better than being on a Gatorade bottle. That's like, that's I, like Wheaties. It's, I it's have two right left. There. I only have two left. I need to, what? like, of the, my Gatorade bottles. Oh, what? Can we, like, they get, got, like, a back they got order me of them? A, I had, like, pallets, and I just drank them <laughs> <laughs> and threw the bottles away. I like, for what sure, am I doing? Uh, I for sure picked your, uh, your Gatorade every time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. I wish you got a little uh, commission off that, but why um, not? That's okay. Gatorade's a great sponsor. Um, I know that was amazing. I was on two like primetime Gatorade commercials and a Gatorade bottle like that. Yeah, that was rad. That was the best thing. That's one of the best things that's happened in my career. What's like the most surreal moment? I mean, I'm sure that was probably one of them. I mean, you've been on an Olympic podium twice. You've won all kinds of tournaments where, where, I guess what's number one. If you had to pick one, that's not an easy thing for you to do. Number one is for sure standing on the podium in the Olympics. Both times I'm like, how the heck did I get here? You know, like, especially in London. Like, London was hard because we just lost in the finals. And Jen was really bummed. And I, I, this is, like, kind of off topic, but, like, and it's more mental stuff. But, like, I play around with how much should you allow yourself to 
beat yourself up about losing. Like at the end of the day, it's about life and, and enjoying what you've kind of, after the day is done, like after you've given your all, if you've given your all and you know, you're prepared the best that you can and whatever has happened has happened. Like you have to still find some joy in that process. And so London, the ultimate loss losing in the gold medal match was really hard, but so we, we had probably 20 minutes, I think, between the end of the match and going up on the podium, and Jen was, like, real, real upset. That's not long. It's not long. It feels like five minutes, probably, when you're, like, that emotionally. Yeah. I can't even imagine how emotionally. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of disbelief. Like, the match right. is over. We just lost. Like, what? Like, what just happened? Right. Um, and so she was really upset, and I was back there being, like, we're about to go on an Olympic podium. Yeah, like, like we need to change it. this I'm attitude. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be upset that we lost this. Like we had never been to an Olympics before we come in, we get the silver. Like we had an all American final. That's pretty cool. Um, like I'm going to go up there and I'm going to enjoy the most, like the most I possibly can this moment. And so going up there and like was the coolest thing like I've ever done. And then same in, same in Rio. Rio was, almost the opposite though because we won and we were ecstatic but, but it's bronze. the bronze yeah. um but it was still an amazing moment and, you, and once you're up there it's like you for me it's almost like the, it was just so rad that you can't wish that you were at the top you can't like overthink it um but it is it is the most addictive and amazing like moment ever so um, I think that's that moment specifically is what drives me a lot to like go for Tokyo and want to get that gold. I've never thought about that either. And that the silver medalist ends their tournament on a loss, but the bronze medalist ends it on a win, a huge win too, because that win is the difference between being on oh. the podium and not. Yeah. And I remember reading, I think Bill Plaschke wrote a story in the LA times on how, you know, he talked to you and Carrie afterwards and Carrie was saying that this is, you know, it's such a big win. And she's so proud of it. And at first I didn't really buy it. So I was like, well, you know, she's got a couple other golds that she's probably pretty proud of. But that makes sense, too, that, like, it must have been hard to recover from that loss to bounce back. And then you guys lost the first set, too, and then win the next right. two set against we the number one team like in the world. We were losing, like, 12 to 9 in the second set. That is the most in the zone I have ever been in my entire career was I was like, we once, – once we did the technical switch in the second set and we were down 12-9, I was like, I am not – losing this match. We are not losing this match. Like just the biggest refusal to lose I have ever had. And then I was so, I got like, this has honestly never happened to me before. Like I got so keyed in. We were, Oh, got to update my USADA. So I don't, um, fail <laughs> Drug this testing. test. Yeah. Nice. Um, like I was just so keyed in on her hand and her approach. Like I knew exactly, like, I felt like I knew exactly where she was going every single time. And that's a really good team. And she's a really good side out player. And like, it was just crazy how much that pressure necessitated, like, like me raising my level and Carrie raising her level. And I struggle with this a lot too. Like when you lose and say you get a fifth in a tournament or whatever, you're like, oh, this sucks. But then you get a ninth in the next tournament you're like oh I wish I got a fifth you know like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um so I try to be grateful for I try to be as grateful as possible for like f finishes or whatever 
but I think fourth place is the worst finish oh possible. Like especially in a beach volleyball tournament, tournament that only comes around once every four well, years. Well, especially in the Olympics. So two opportunities to be on the podium. Yeah. And two losses. Yeah. And, and then everyone in a steps normal on the tournament, podium. it sucks. Yeah. But at the Olympics, like I, yeah. So, so I'm, getting the bronze was. I'm three for three on my, on my bronzes. That's it. That's one a, silver only. That for me is like, that's huge pressure and coming through with huge pressure to get a bronze medal. It's more of the, uh, you really, really, really don't want to lose your fighting for it rather than like the, I really, really, really want a bronze medal. It's like, I really, really, really don't want a fourth. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's both. And you just want to be on that podium. But yeah, for sure, the bronze feels better at the time than a silver does. It feels better at the time. But when, when I look back at both also, you don't realize it in the moment, but or even throughout the journey, you don't realize it so much. But I feel like after the silver and the bronze, I look back on both those journeys and the journeys honestly matter just as much as the medals, like how you got there. And I think if like you don't do as well, I think that, I think the journey matters, you know, just as much, no matter what, but like if you get somewhere and you didn't enjoy it, like that still kind of sucks at the end. Um, so that plays into it also, but I've never been like, I don't think I've ever been more relieved than I was after we got the bronze medal. That I was. could tell. I mean, just looking at, it looked like both of you were bought into that. Like, it seemed like even more so, it's probably hard to get Carrie wrapping her mind around wanting to win a bronze medal. That's just from my outside perspective. I, but I, you guys both looked like you bought into it and were just like, we I mean, were, you guys had tears. Like, I want, we won the bronze medal. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Part of me want, is thinking Carrie's going to be there, like, in tears because it's, it's a bronze run on yeah. coal. <laughs> but you guys were genuinely like just stoked. It was to very. Be up there. It, I can tell you, it was very genuine. From yeah. and I know people. No, I, I, I can understand why people would doubt that it was genuine or whatever from her because she has three gold medals. But um, it was very, very genuine, um, which I appreciated. Yeah. You know, like, no, you could tell. You could yeah. tell for sure. Um, but. Yeah, she, like we didn't, we were so bummed and like negative and like just like trying to get ourselves to turn it around. So we had, I think, like 24 hours between matches or whatever. She didn't sleep at all. I think I slept like one or two hours maybe. And like we were going to the venue and we were both like so pissed, like not in a, not in a funny way, but like... <laughs> like pissed that we had to play this match. So it took like 22 of the 24 hours to wrap your mind around wanting the bronze. Yeah, we literally did, weren't able to change our attitude until I think we started warming up for the bronze wow. medal. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, if we're going to play this match, we're going to win this match. Like, and maybe it didn't even fully kick in until like the second set, like when it was on the line that we could possibly lose again. That one ball that Carrie chased down, I feel like. Yeah, no, turn, that right? was the turning point. Many yeah. people have pointed to that. that, when, that was I was like watching right point. here in my living room and that was for me the turning point too. I was like, there's, okay, there's the Carrie. Because you were steady. Moment. You were pretty steady, it seemed like. And we're used to Carrie being really high level and more focused or whatever, you know, struggling with the float serve and all that. So I was like, all right, this isn't Carrie. Like, this is a little scary. And then she made that play, and then you guys did something, like, just super sick play after that. 
And then it was like, oh, they just locked in like together. And yeah. And you guys took that it. That was a turning point yeah. for sure. But um, yeah, I'd say that the standing on the podium at both those Olympics was just so surreal. Even and better than Gatorade. Barely. <laughs> barely. Barely. Yeah, bar- Gatorade's pretty cool. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to find a way cool. to like dig up some more of those, see if we can get some back I orders know. on those. There's two left and they're in my pantry and I feel like somebody could come in and just like not notice <laughs> no. and drink it. I'm like, I need to put those in a safe somewhere so I can show You like, refill my it and put some dye in it <laughs> with water. <laughs> hey, why is the seal cracked? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also, another surreal moment actually was, um, going to the Super Bowl for, I believe it was the 50th anniversary a couple years ago and Gatorade invited all their athletes. Like Gatorade doesn't sponsor that many athletes. I think there's like 15 of us or something. Mm -hmm. Wow. And they invited. If we could show you guys that list right now, go look it up. It's like. I have a photo, which I'm going to talk about. It's ridiculous. And. Company. So they invited us to a dinner before the Super Bowl, and I didn't know who was going to be there. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go to the dinner. And it's Peyton Manning and Michael Jordan and Derek Jeter oh and Mia Hamm and, like, all the best athletes, like, you could you, that just come They're to mind. They're just gods. Yeah. And I'm sitting there at this dinner with all of them, Abby Wambach, like... And then we all like take a picture afterwards, and it's, I have like I have this picture like framed, and it's just like one part of me is like, okay, I I you know in in one respect belong in this company, like I feel like I've worked really hard to be at the top of my sport, mm-hmm. just like all of them have. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, this is Michael Jordan. Everyone right. in the world knows who Michael Jordan is, like what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but that photo is going to, going to be up on my wall for a long time. That's I think cool. it's, Where, um, I think it's interesting to see like, cause our sport doesn't get as much attention. So if our sport did get that much attention then you'd be the, yeah, you know, that I mean, top, you are that top player for our sport, but you would get that same attention. Like, how does it feel when you're like with these athletes? Like, cause I try to like, and I'm basically making this up in my head, but I'm, I'm telling myself like, these NBA guys, all these NFL guys, they don't have anything on me. Their, their sport is put on a spotlight, yeah. so they get that attention and no, all that. No, that's 100% accurate. I honestly believe that I have the work ethic and everything else that it takes. They even have way more advantage because they have all the resources with all these millions of dollars and these teams that are investing in them. And, yeah. and the players on the bench, you know, I mean, not to take anything away from their athleticism and how hard they work, mm-hmm. but like... I don't believe that they have to work as hard to be on one of those teams as we do to be on like an Olympic team or on just an international team. Like you have to be in the top eight athlete, the top four athletes in your country to go to the Olympics. You have to be in the top eight athletes just to compete internationally and like on a, you know, to get a monthly stipend and that's just to pay for training. Yeah. Oh, and we book our own flights. Yeah. We don't have a private charter taking us around the country. We have private or we have fl- regular flights that we've booked for ourselves to go around the entire world. And I don't believe that our, I mean, number for sure, our sport is not easier to play. Like if anything, it's harder to play. And I believe that it's as entertaining. I really, mm-hmm. I don't, 
beach volleyball is my favorite sport to watch. Like, I think it's the most entertaining. And I, I mean, I, it's not like I don't understand other sports. I just really like to watch beach volleyball. And everyone that comes, that I hear from that goes to a tournament loves it. Like, everybody loves it. So it's just really frustrating that we can't, like, yeah. step up our game a little bit. Like I went to a Rams. Sport. I went to my first NFL game yesterday, besides, like, 10 Pro Bowls when I was a kid in Hawaii. <laughs> but my first NFL game yesterday, and, like, I mean, I just sat there through so many TV commercials that were going on, and the players are just standing there, and then the defense is standing on the sideline. The special teams isn't really even a part of this sport until, like, every, like, once every, what, 25 minutes they come and play? And I'm like, how is this even sport? Like, yeah. like there's so much stoppage, and there's everyone's so specialized, but the business built around it makes it into this I mean and I watch NFL every week and I NBA feel every like week. If you took that production team that produces NFL games and those sponsors and you just slide them over to beach volleyball, like they could create that same thing. Like I really believe they could create the same thing. Yeah, I think we need the the business minds behind it and a little maybe a little in, initial investment push. We've heard the um MMA story with uh, Dana White and what are the brothers? Oh, yeah, the brothers. Yeah. They just sold for like a few billion. I think they invested. I saw this documentary on it and they like took it. MMA used to be like beach volleyball, like real small. Right, yeah. And they invested like $17 million in in it and turned it around and made it this huge worldwide thing and just sold it for... Yeah, they they bought it for like $3 million and then invested a fair amount would have... I mean, relative to what they sold it, they invested nothing. And then, like, 10 years later, they sold it for, I think, $6 billion, Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah, so all you uh, billionaires out there, <laughs> you know who to call. <laughs> Go ahead and direct message, sandcast <laughs> underscore podcast. Yeah, we'll take care of it from there. <laughs> we got it from there. Just, uh, I'll just give you we'll my give bank account wire, information. We'll give some wire information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to make sure that we link to that photo that you were talking about. Do you have it on Instagram or Facebook anywhere Ooh. that we could have it in the show notes? Ooh, yeah, no, but dope. I'll take a photo of it when I get take home. Take a photo of your photo. Years. Okay, we'll, we'll make sure to get that photo up in the show notes. And while you're looking for that photo on the internet, you can also go to wilsonvolleyball.com and get all the Wilson gear you need. And you can get it with 20% off using our discount code SANDCAST-20. All right, the AVP is fully back. We're in Atlanta. We're in Manhattan Beach. We're in Chicago. And you know what ball we're using? We're using Wilson. So get yourself a bag of Wilson volleyballs today. Get yourself a Wilson volleyball cart. I don't care. Just get Wilson and use our discount code SANDCAST-20. It is the best ball in the world, and you need to use it. Go Wilson. All right, we've got our last segment here. We have our fan questions here for you, Miss April. Uh, now, a couple of these we've already sort of covered, so I'll have to do a, a little bit of, of editing. So this one is from Wahin Fan 44 um, He said... <laughs> Are these made up? I don't know. This is from... So it's from Volley Talk. Joaquin? No, so Volley Talk. It had, it had an H in there. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> so, sorry if we, we mispronounced that, but it says, besides USC, what schools did you consider in your college choice? Oh, I haven't had that question, like, ever. Um, uh, my first choice for a long time was Stanford, and then UCLA. Uh, I looked at University of Washington and Hawaii, 
and I think USD were my top five. And um, it was kind of embarrassing because I was getting letters from every college and I was under, I just started to get this impression that I could choose whatever college I wanted to go to. And I said, okay, I want to go to Stanford. And I hadn't gone on my trip there. I hadn't applied or anything, but I started wearing a Stanford sweatshirt to school every day. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I have photos of me in high school wearing a Stanford sweatshirt like every day. And then I went on my recruiting trip and they sat me down and said I was like their fifth or sixth choice for their team for that year. But they said, just apply and whatever. And so I worked really hard on my application. It was the only one I tried really hard on and I sent it in and my club coach got a call from their assistant coach being like, why did April slack off so much on her application? And he kind of like came in hard on me and I was like, no, I tried really hard. And so they just, they rejected me. They're like, oh, well then you're rejected. Yeah. You tried hard. (laughs) Yeah. For the record, Stanford's acceptance rate is 4.7%. And so that's, yeah. you're one among many. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've bonded with a couple others who've gone through the same thing. Um, and then I didn't consider USC until Jarrett Elliott somehow weaseled his way into a home visit with me. And he sat down and I had no intention of ever going to USC uh, and did his video presentation or whatever. And... My mom, my dad, neither, they were both UCLA people. My aunt and uncle went to UCLA and he just did his pitch. And afterwards me and my mom were like, oh my gosh, this just seems so right. And then I took my visit there and fell in love with it. And my visit to UCLA was like the opposite. I just didn't feel at home at all. And so I ended up going to USC, not one of my top five at all, (laughs) but it turned out to be the right decision. I'm so curious about the recruiting process I think because now it's insane. Like an athlete will tweet, I'm committed to Oregon when they're a freshman in high school. And they'll have 300 stories written about them in, in a day. And then, you know, back then, what Twitter's been around since what, like 2010? So obviously we didn't have this. So what was the recruiting process like back then? It's probably a lot more quiet than, it, than it is now. Yeah, it's it was very right quiet. Now. Very quiet. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take... I was, I was a late committer, but I didn't take any, um, visits until my senior year. I committed like, like, uh, oh no, sorry. Till my junior year or my senior year. Um, no, I think it was my senior year. I took only unofficial visits. I didn't take any official visits and committed like December of my senior year. I want to say, so it was super late. Did they and take you out on frat row? They knew. So I didn't <laughs> drink in high school. So they uh, knew. Like, smart. yeah. I went to UCLA. And this is if you're in college and you're trying to get someone to come to your school, like, do your research. Because I went to UCLA and the seniors took me around school. And all they were talking about was how hard they were going to haze the freshmen. And that scared me away. And like, I said, uh, I'm going to be a freshman. And yeah. Like, <laughs> and I <laughs> don't drink you do and you're going to try and make me drink. <laughs> and so I got real turned off by that. Um, and, and all the girls at SC knew like, don't, don't do that. So we just had a good old <laughs> fun uh, time. And yeah. So UCLA scared you into being the national freshman of the year at their rival. So. Yep. <laughs> yep. Thank you. UCLA. <laughs> 
Talk about a backfire right there. We took uh, Brad Lawson, who's one of the top recruits, um, on his recruiting trip at SC. We took him to a Stanford game because they sucked at football, and we were obviously SC at the time. We were like number one or number two in the country, and Stanford upset. Oh, was this the Jim Harbaugh, Andrew Luck upset? In the Coliseum, they upset. (laughs) And then Brad committed to to Stanford, won a national championship his sophomore year as the MVP of the Final Four. Yeah, we took him to the wrong game. <laughs> it's all Whoops. the football team's fault. Yeah, it's, it's football. It's always the football team's fault. That was on them. Fault. Recruiting's a risky game. Um, now we have a, a question from Tams. He says, what is the most memorable match of 2017? Uh, and I guess you can go either or here, and then most memorable match of your career. Uh, most memorable match. The first thing that, uh, of 2017 that comes to mind is the semifinal against uh, Canada and the World Championships. Um, it was just like everything came together for us. That was so exciting. The fact that like you get into the semis and it's in such a big tournament and you know, like the difference between winning and losing that match is so huge. So not to mention you guys were down, like you, you were getting, you got smashed oh, against Emily and oh, who was we, it? Yeah. Nicole. We Emily and Nicole in, for in the 17th, first. Yeah. And then you guys somehow, or you guys pulled oh, that match out. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For 17. Yeah, for, I was in watching. In the first it. round out of playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and I turned it on. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, What's we going got on here? Yeah. And then you guys pulled it out. And then. That, that was actually a really memorable match, too. Two days later, you're in, you're, you and Lauren are in the finals of the world championship. I always have to remind myself of that. Like, when you're in tournaments and things get really, really hard and really, really dire, like, I've very rarely won a tournament where you didn't I didn't have to turn one of those situations mm-hmm. around it was it's never like easy you don't like roll to a tournament win you always have to like grind and get really like dirty and figure out like how to pull it out so you can never expect it to be easy and world champs definitely wasn't not that we won but I mean silver at world champs this summer was amazing for me so winning that semi was huge Lauren um, played amazing sided out so well against Sarah Pavin um, up there six five block um, so that was most memorable this summer and then um, in my career the most memorable match um, like when I can remember like throughout the match Six man, two thousand. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, one memorable huge match was against Switzerland in Rio. It was pool play. It was to win our pool, and I think we ended up winning fifteen thirteen in the third. And that was that was a scary one. Like that was the first match in Olympic uh, Carrie's career that she lost in the Olympics. And it just was gnarly. And it was a team that we thought we should, like, kind of handle. And they gave us a run for our money. And we eked it out 15-13. And that was, that was a huge win. Um, that would have been her first match loss yeah, if you lost? Yeah. Wow. We waited till the semis to do that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to beat the semifinals in London and then the bronze medal match in Rio. Those were two of the most memorable. And then I'm going to mention a third, which uh, it was actually against Stanford at Stanford. Uh, I think my senior year, it went five. We had this gnarly rivalry. And they actually... Something happened. They thought they won. They started celebrating. 
And then a Gunna Namani. Does that name ring any bell? She was like, they're starting outside. It's a great name. Yeah, she she's an amazing, amazing person. She was really good. Um, and the down ref, no one saw, but the down ref had called Annette on her. And I think he, I, this is the story I heard. He asked her if she, like, you net, right? And she like admitted to netting. And Never so they were celebrating. We had already walked off the court in defeat. And then they called us both back out to the court because she had net. And we ended up winning that match oh. and going on, I think, to an undefeated season. No way. <laughs> yeah. So that, I remember that match pretty She needs vividly. some sort of like oh. sportsmanship medal. <laughs> no, she She gets it. Like she, she is that type of, she's wow. that person. If I was on her team, I would be so pissed. Like, <laughs> there's no sportsmanship medals. <laughs> you need to. My- Don't show up to practice for a week. It's the ref's job to call that. That's a more, that's yours. an ethical sports question. Like the referee yeah, is there to that's their job. Yeah, my job the, is to, to play win. and then to walk back and serve when they tell me to, not to tell the I've ref set, what the right call I've is. Set my own my own policy. So in CBVAs, I have to call it myself. Yeah, because the refs aren't paid. It's it's the paid ref versus the not paid right. ref that sort of does it for me. Like if that's his job, like sorry, I'm not <laughs> I'm not helping you out if I hit the net. It's the uh, it's the Swiss guys that that are the only guys on tour that will like call stuff on themselves. And then, I mean, there's one guy, Gabbath Thieler. You know him? Uh-huh. He's gotten mad at me on multiple occasions for not like calling my own touches or like for fake. Like I, I touched the ball, it went out. I was like, no, 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 no. You know, it's like, yeah, like everyone does. And he's like staring at me through the net. Try. Come on, try. How are you going to do that? You know you touched him. Like, yeah, but he didn't call it. Yeah. Like, what What do you expect here? Like, we're playing for thousands of dollars, and I just flew across the world to play you. And then he did it again. Actually, he um, he wanted the ref to give me, like, a card because I swore. I was like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> He's like, at the ref, he, he said this word. He said this word. I'm like... Yeah, who cares? Like, yeah. We can swear. I mean, you know, you get a card. It's a professional sport. Like, yeah, have like, you seen some of the, like, right videos now? of the NBA players, like, mouthing what they mouth? Oh, like, it's a joke. Come on. Yeah. Like, if we heard what happens in an NFL huddle, yeah. it would yeah. Be, everyone would be getting arrested, probably. Yeah. It's not, your jo- it's not your job to police yourself once you're in competition. That's when you anyway. Don't call it. We try. We know you're No, don't call it. <laughs> You can feel bad about it. You can feel bad, yeah. sure, for sure. Actually, and no, then, you can't. No, you can't. You okay. can't feel bad. You just got to let it go. After the match, when it's over, if, if the other player comes up to you and it comes up, don't deny it. If yeah. it didn't happen, be like, yeah, yeah, the ref missed that. Yeah. That's my policy. I'll be like, yeah, for sure I touched but it. But that's like, also a big reason why they need the challenge system, and they got the challenge system. Challenge system's good. I yeah. Know. It works really well. But yeah, they need it because it's their job to referee the match and make sure it's fair. It's not... Your job. Like, when you're... Yeah, no thought. Done. There you have it. If you're in an AVP qualifier, don't call your nets. <laughs> but <laughs> when you're in practice, tournament. In practice, call, call, practice, yes. call it. You have to call it. That's more f- for you to get better. And CVVAs, call your nets and touches. The refs yeah. aren't paid. Um, we'll have a couple more. This one's from JB Southpaw. Actually, the next couple. Um, so the FIVB schedule, I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Um, we talked about just kind of how early it is, and that's just kind of killing everyone's off season. But what do you think about the location of them? So JB Southpaw is pointing to the number of Asian countries on the FIVB schedule, and your thoughts on that? Um, well, China's killing it, so 
that just that's what happens. You got to go where the promoters have money and um, where they value sports, and that's China for one. I don't I don't mind going to the Asian countries. Like I, China's rough, but um, I, yeah, I don't mind it. Like it's interesting, and you're when you go places like that, it's really easy to focus on volleyball. Like yeah. you're just there to play because there's nothing else to do. Japan's one of my favorite. Stops. Japan. It's a lot different than China, though. It's very different. opposite yeah, of opposite. China. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just extremely hot. That Yokohama tournament that was, was the hottest tournament I think I've ever played. I didn't yeah. think it could get hotter than Brazil and Yokohama. It was Yokohama was... and then uh, Mexico for me, but I think Yokohama took it. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Like we were, players were. Um, there's pictures of them sitting in the ice cooler. Like, we're throwing the water bottles out of the ice cooler because we wanted to be in it. We had them like bring heads, in everything. fans into the player boxes. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was gnarly. Yeah. Like, where you're trying to survive kind of thing. I love talking to you guys about this stuff because that's the stuff you don't see that on YouTube or, you know, wherever you're streaming the games. Like, it just looks like normal beach volleyball and it's sunny, but you don't see just, like, it's, like, 120 degrees on the court and no breeze because it's in the it stadium. I think it got up to, like, 150 degrees on. Like, and it's way hotter when you put the thermometer on the sand or whatever. Jeez. It was a hot, 115? No, it was like 140, 100 and like way up there. The sand temperature? The, like, not the sand temperature, like the heat the down air, there by yeah. the by the sand. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It was it was gnarly. 140 is like death. Yeah, I was going to say, it it's got to be like, unsafe. <laughs> maybe it was Wherever the thermometer, wherever the thermometer was, I know that was, it was maybe, like 130 but... for sure. When they put the thermometer on the sand, yeah, it registered it 130. Right sand, it was yeah. sitting right on the sand, and it was at least 130. And there's times where, like, you legitimately can't stand on that part of the sand. Yeah. you're you're going to get you're gonna fry your boils. Feet. Like, your feet are going to burn off. <laughs> like, they'll start boiling. Yeah, that was... You have to, like, run to, like, the part where the sand's dug up, or yeah. else you're... Screwed. It's, just it's like throw water like, down is, the court. This is a professional sport. Can you yeah. imagine NBA guys like when they step outside the sideline, their feet start burning? It was a big deal. Like it jumping was a big deal and when like, the AC went out in San Antonio yeah. and the bronze started LeBron, cramping because yeah. the gym was like eighty degrees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor guy. April's playing on one fifty. Like come I'm on now. Like yeah. forcing myself to sit in saunas for like forty five minutes so I can handle the heat of these beach volleyball yeah, tournaments. I did, I did uh, that Bikram hot yoga before oh, Mexico. Oh, that's so good. It yeah, worked. it helps so much because it's legit that hard that yoga. <laughs> yeah. Just like why am I still working out? Yeah. But that's basically what our job is sometimes. Anyway. Um, but the schedule in general, um, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think like I just wrote it all down in my calendar and it looks like I'm gonna be on the road from like mid April until September, but um I prefer it like that. What, what about the uh the stars though? The like the fact that you're playing in fours and f- fives that aren't even equivalent to the grand slams that you were playing in the few years before. I don't mind the star system, but they need to upgrade all the stars. They need more value. Yeah, all stars. of them need more values. Right. Like, maybe maybe the one stays as is, but like the five stars, there needs to be more of them, and they need to have more points and more prize money. And the four stars need to be more points, more prize money. So it just needs to. It took a lot of value off the top end. I feel like for us. Yeah. Which great. they spread out the lot lots more tournaments. Right, so everyone now everyone, there's opportunity for everyone to play on the world tour and get up to where we're at 
but now it you're taking away the value. Am- it turned, of, turned it into an amateur sport. Yeah, much. now you're taking the value away from like where everyone's fighting to get to. It's like, yeah. well, I don't really want to fight to get to the top because it's not all that great anymore. Yeah. A lot more participation and, medals. And for me, like I was spoiled my first four years because we had great Grand Slams, a few million dollar events. Yeah. My first few years, and now I'm looking back at it like, oh, well, this sucks. It just got worse in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Hmm. Is there any event that you look forward to every year? Is kind of like the one that you want to play? Now that hmm. you've been to everyone like five yeah. times, or I've more. never been to Porridge. I've never been to the Croatia tournament. You haven't been to Porridge? No. What? Every year something happens. That's so weird. I know. It's. I feel like I would love it, and it's a I've good event. never been able to go. It's a good event. The side courts are like okay. It's not like the best um, side courts, but like, yeah, you're in like this old town, old European town, and the stadium's rocking like all the majors. And then so there's the sick. obstacle course in the lake. Yeah, <laughs> I, really I definitely took do. advantage of all that last year. We stayed for an extra week, and then we went across, oh, took really? a ferry across to Venice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, me and Hayden and awesome. Robin, his wife, and Evie. Yeah, we stayed for a week in Porridge because we had to go to Poland, but that was two weeks away, so we just stayed in Porridge and did the high ropes, did the wakeboarding, where you, it tows you around the the oh harbor. Wakeboarding, yeah, it's a it's a good. How place. did you do in Poland? After that? Um, good question. We lost to Jake and Casey for fifth. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good, though. We not talked about this. Not when you're trying to qualify for uh, the Olympics uh, against Jake and, and Casey. We, yeah, that's well, true. And they're, try and having a little stupid, trouble with the, the food little, in Poland. Uh, oh, yeah. We got super sick. Where was it in Poland? <laughs> Wait, was that that one? No, that was the one before. Yeah, me and Hayden both got super sick. Wait, I can't remember. They all blur together. It was... Um, was it Star Jablonski? No, no, no. It was... Um, Olsten? Olsten, yeah. Olsten? Um, we got super sick. We had to forfeit against Allison and Bruno because me and Hayden were both throwing oh. up and coming out the other end. That's happened a to room. me once in my career, and it was in Thailand, and I thought I had had food poisoning before that. No. <laughs> uh, well, everyone, yeah. I've heard. I learned what food poisoning was <laughs> in Thailand, and I could not get out of bed to go play like no i felt like the biggest wuss for forfeiting because i had food poisoning i'm like be and that's allison and bruno for us too that's like first of all at the time we were two and two against them all time like oh, and not many good. people had a good record yeah, against really them and it's allison and bruno you want to go beat the best team in the world yeah. so we had to forfeit that one but that sucked and i got it in india really bad did you play was that a tournament in india? that was a Junior World Championships with, oh, with your roommates, Carson about, Clark yes, and I Kyle Friend were there. heard about this. Oh, it was really Nobody bad. Nobody wanted to go. It yeah. was really bad. And I got like a few IVs, but out there they don't have regular IVs. It's basically like a Gatorade bottle full with saline. <laughs> the nurse is like, uh, we don't know how to use these IVs because they're not bags. They just gave me these water bottles. I'm like, well, I, don't, I can't even think straight right now or walk straight. So do what you got to do. do. And then they're straight needles. So like... The metal needle, they leave it in for like two hours oh my rather gosh, than like cool. putting the metal needle in and pulling it out and the rubber's left in you so it bends. So I couldn't move my arm the next day. I'm like, yeah, coach, I'm good. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> I think that's a good platform that my arm's stuck in. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that happens every once in a while for us. Yeah. <laughs> Traveling is rough sometimes. Yeah. 
But you do have a lot of traveling to do this season, so we're looking forward to you and Alex Kleinman uh, in the 2018 season. Now, where can our listeners find you on social media? Do you have a website? Where can they connect with April Ross? Uh, I am April Ross Beach on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Oh, no, I'm April Ross Official on Facebook. So facebook.com slash April Ross Official. And then my website is AprilRossBeach.com. Um, I was gonna pretty say easy something. to find. Pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, is there anything else that you want to mention? Anything that we wish you wish you would have asked us? Do you want to come we, on the podcast more you? often? Yeah, I might be interested in being on the podcast more often. Co co host. I'll start uh, brainstorming ideas for guests and yes. topics. Sweet. We're digging deep, people. We might have added the newest team member. Or I'll just bring the wine. <laughs> <laughs> the wine will be flowing either that way. Works too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you so much for, for coming and hanging out with us here on a Monday night. Um, Try. thanks as always for hosting in the Born on the Beach studios. Oh, yeah. And we'll catch you guys next week on Sandcast. Go Ravens. Go Ravens. <laughs>